You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Preface Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And this week, I have another amazing guest with me in the guest chair, Yaracel Colbert. Yaracel established her financial services on a foundation of integrity. Yaracel is a renowned serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, author, and educator who is committed to helping others unlock new levels of financial independence. As the owner of the Advent Insurance and Financial Solutions LLC and the trademarked brand Yaracel, the Multipreneur, Yaracel holds an extensive 27 plus years background professionalizing in financial literacy, business development, sales marketing, and accentuating the growth mindset as a Spelman College professor. Even more, she enjoys pursuing entrepreneurship, demonstrating the vitality of multi-income streams and ultimately guiding others on attaining what they desire most, time, energy, and financial freedom. Overall, there's a secret psychology of finances where a lack of money is not the core problem. It is merely just a symptom of what is going on in your own thoughts, ultimately inspiring Yaracel to author from Red to Black Weekly Financial Journal a scripture-based 52-week journal to help people capitalize on their financial goals. Let's welcome Yaracel to the podcast. Yaracel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're so excited to have you here and really dig deep on the topic of finances. But before we get started, I'd love for you to tell us a fun fact about you that's not in your bio. Well, a fun fact about me that's not in my bio is that I actually grew up in Ansbach, Germany. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did you find it growing up in Germany? I loved it. It's beautiful. Everyone is friendly. It's just, it's like home. So I'm an army brat and I graduated high school there. I almost stayed and attended college there, University of Maryland, Augsburg, but I didn't, I came back to the United States. Wow. What an interesting story and what an (laughs) interesting way to start. I think, I think, you know, growing up or spending some time in a foreign country is always so eye opening. Mm -hmm. For me, I did, I'm from the island of Bermuda, but our, I went to university in the UK. So I lived there for about four years mm-hmm. or so. And it, it really is eye-opening, especially when you come from, well, for me at least, such a small island and getting into the big wide world is really interesting. Yeah. Just, you have a, a whole different perspective, just that exposure to different cultures. Uh, it just makes you, to me, just more well, well-rounded to have that exposure. So I'm really grateful for my experience. I completely agree with you. All right. So we love that fun fact. So let's just hop into it. 
What we heard in your bio that you are a serial entrepreneur. What led you to becoming a serial entrepreneur and what exactly is that? Well, basically it means that I run different businesses. I believe in multiple streams of income. And you know, with that being said, I don't believe that you go out and start a whole bunch of stuff at one time. For me personally, my entrepreneurial journey started in the beauty industry and that business became like the vehicle to take me to the next. And, and that's basically how I did it. I think you master one or two things really well. And then you use those skills and just things that you've learned to build on others. I believe in Ecclesiastes 11.2, which teaches us to be to use diversity in all that we do because you don't know when something may come up. But I definitely, you know, own a few businesses. I failed at a few businesses as well, but that's basically what it is in a nutshell. I like that. You said, you know, you believe in multiple streams of income, but not starting a bunch of businesses at once. And I think that's the first place that a lot of people uh, have their downfall instead of focusing on one thing, like you said, mastering one thing. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, I have all these ideas in my head. Let me try and do three, three things and see how it unfolds not understanding that actually focusing on one thing at a time, mastering it, scaling it, and then moving on to the uh, the next thing, you're more likely to succeed that way. Right. Right. And, you know, some people, they get really excited, especially if you're like myself and you have multiple gifts and you can do multiple things well. Sometimes you get really overly anxious and you you will stretch yourself. It's just a short way. It's a short way to fail, even if you're really, really good at something. So I have I've learned for myself. I speak from experience when I give that advice. You just and here's here's the beauty of really mastering something. What you actually get to do is once you've mastered it, you get to take those same skills and systems and processes and you just get to duplicate it with the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is true. You definitely do. And I think that's really important. Now, you use those multiple businesses mm-hmm. to unlock new areas of financial independence. Mm-hmm. How did you achieve financial independence and why is it important for us to all strive for financial independence and achieve it? So, you know, I believe with finances, you know, I'm still on my own personal financial journey. I haven't reached all of my money goals. So, you know, I would say, and and, and mostly it's because, you know, I'm, I'm human, I'm regular. You know, I am, I'm a mom, you know, life has happened to me many times over. And so I found myself really starting over. I've been in sales and education all of my life. And, but you know, I knew that free enterprise was my way. Uh, for one, I'm very generous. Uh, I have a gift of giving. And I knew that in order for me to be able to do it, I would have to be in a place to where I could make a lot of money because of my, um, what I believe are, are my calling in charity when it comes to charity. 
but it just takes a lot of discipline. And what I learned being a former teacher, and, and actually, let me not say that because I'm still an educator, but when I taught in the high school, um, I no longer teach in, in the public high school, but when I left teaching, I noticed a lot of my colleagues were really, really struggling. And there were people around me that were really, really struggling. And then I started to realize, not just within them, but even within myself, just that lack of financial literacy, the things that we just didn't know, it, it, it became a passion of mine. And I realized also how, how the Bible talks about money and all of the financial principles are just found in God's word. And I'm like, why are we not better at this? Why are so many people struggling? And it just, I mean, from there, you know, you, know, you need money, you need resources to do all of the things that you need to do. We're not lovers of it, but there, what I learned is that there are sure ways to learn how to manage the money that we're given so that every person can be super successful. And I just, I stand beside it and I'm just committed to it, committed to helping everybody get there. Wow. There are sure ways to learn how to mm -hmm. manage our money. That's, that's really good. And I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, God has provided for us everything we need in our word. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't, when we think about finances and we think about God's word, we only think about the negative side the negative things that people talk about or that the church talks about, or you hear from your favorite pastors about, you know, the love of money or money is a root of all evil. Some people even misquote it. Mm -hmm. They don't say the full thing. Love of the love of money is a root of all evil. They just skip to the uh, money is a root of all evil and all of those negative things. It's like sometimes I feel like as Christian people, we put this mantle of in order for us to be a good Christian, we need to be struggling. Right. We need to, you know, be mm -hmm. in the, such a meek position. But I personally believe that that is not what God wants for the chil his children, because in order for us to grow his kingdom, in order for us to spread out over the vineyard, in order for us to fulfill our purpose, we have to have mm -hmm. the finances to do those things. It's true. You know, and, and it's not even just what you believe it's what God's word says. There are more than 2000 scriptures about money in the Bible. Jesus talked about it more than anything. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you read the, the scripture, it tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil, that you can't love God and money, you know, because you, you can't put anything before him. You know, the Bible tells us that God is the owner of everything. Everything is his. And so our job is to be faithful stewards over what he has given us. But he also tells us in the word that money answereth all things. And so, and like you said, we, we need those resources and he is the ultimate provider. I mean, he has all the money. So of course he wants his children to do well and to live well. And he teaches us exactly how to do it. So definitely we, we should not be struggling. You know, I, I hear people ask me all the time, no, I just, I just don't feel like we can take a vacation. I feel guilty if I spend money on a vacation. I'm like, why? For example, you know, you don't spend your vacation money and you can't afford to have food in the house or pay the mortgage or pay the rent, something like that. You, you definitely are wise with your spending, but 
God gave rest. It was a commandment. And, and if you look in the Bible, they took good vacations. They took good rest. It was like a week long party. It was pretty awesome back in, back in the day, but you're so right. It's such a serious thing. And a lot of people do have a misunderstanding about money from a biblical perspective. And I'm just committed to teaching everybody what I know as I learn and as I, I grow with everyone else, just sharing what I learn. I think that is great. And I'm glad you're so committed to helping other people, you know, be able to understand and follow God's principles on money. Why are biblical principles important when we think about our finances? You know, I would say because all financial principles can be found in God's word, you know, investing, getting free from debt, saving so that later you're not struggling. You know, he teaches these, teaches us these things. So many people, they look at the stock market, for example, as this monster, but God talks in the word over and over and over about multiplying the talents, multiplying the money that we have, uh, investing it. So there's nothing as it pertains to money that you can't find a principle, a way to do it, a pathway a method, all of that, definitely honesty with money found in God's word. He teaches us that dishonest money dwindles away. For example, just having order, keeping a budget, planning ahead so that you don't fall into a bad situation. All of these principles, they came from grandma, but they also are found in the Bible. And so that's why I love, you know, talking about this all the time, because there are things that you know, you think it's like just coming from your local financial guru, but you no, know, over and over and over, you can totally read all of these things when you just study for yourself. Mm-hmm. And they definitely reading all those things and studying that will definitely uh, make a difference. And I, I just want to focus on for a second, mm-hmm. multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. I know that I, I, or I see, let me, let me rephrase that. I see in my community the lack of understanding of why multiple streams of income is important. Mm-hmm. Some people, and maybe it's just a generational thing where, you know, you went and you got this one job and you worked in the one job for 40 plus years mm-hmm. and you worked in that one job until you retired, but there was no other backup. There was no other stream coming in. So for example, if you got in an accident or you had to take an extended time off, There wasn't space for you to still have a stream of income because you were only focused on that one thing. So what, why are multiple streams of income important? You know, these days, and it wasn't uncommon uh, in the past, you have your one job, you retire, you know, back then people had true pensions. Pensions were different from the 401ks that you see today. A lot of, most companies don't even have the true pensions anymore, for example where a 401k is a accumulation. It's money that's accumulated in a pot. They use the money in the stock market, mostly mutual funds to help grow your retirement. Companies do that. Some companies match. Back in the day, they had these pensions. It was based off of a formula. And so, you know, a lot of education systems today still do the defined benefit programs where they take like an average, your highest average salaries, and they multiply it by the years that you work, 
and whatever percentage it is for that state. And then you get a particular salary number when you retire, and then you're paid that money until you die or if you elect to have benefits to go to a survivor, like a spouse or something like that. It's not like that now. We don't have that type of luxury. And also I can say the times are changing and look at what COVID did to everybody. And for some people, it was disastrous for them. You know, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 11, 2, and 3, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will be. We don't know what's going to happen. So God teaches us to diversify. These days, you really need more than one way to make some money. The beauty of multiple streams is that there are passive ways to make money, like things you can do in your sleep, which the majority of my streams of income, I've set it up to where it it is that way. But, and then, you know, maybe the job that you do. And and this also, um, and I just want to say this, if I may, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs try to tell other people like, quit your job. You know, you need to be an entrepreneur. I do agree that entrepreneurship, there's an entrepreneur in every person, because I always believe that there's something that you can do and no one else can do. Like the person who can bake those cakes, like nobody's business, sell them, you know, and, and take that extra money. Why not? But I don't agree with trying to tell people to just quit their nine to five jobs. I think that some people, their gift is there. They have an opportunity to really bless the people at work. Um, They have an opportunity to be a light for people in the nine to five arena. I think it's a great place. Even when you look at um, statistics on millionaires, you know, eight out of 10 millionaires in the United States put money in a 401k. They maxed out the money in a 401k so that later, you know, it helped for their net worth to be a million dollars. What does that tell you? If eight out of the 10 are able to put money in a 401k, that means they have a job. So I'm I am totally against people trying to encourage people to just quit their job to go full time in entrepreneurship, unless that is something that you are called to do. But, you know, in, in addition to just that safety that or just having the, the ability to have money coming in from different places, taxes are going up, inflation, you know, just to name a few. And there are some people who they honestly they don't feel like they're able to save. They don't feel like they're able to invest. They don't feel like they're going to ever catch up with retirement. If you started saving for retirement, for example, in your 20s, and you've been putting the same money away every month, you've been disciplined, you are in a whole different ballgame because you can literally stop making those payments after 10 years and be way ahead of somebody in their 40s who has to start over, you know, because of compound interest. But, you know, I just believe that there is, if we manage our time, which to me is the greatest commodity, if you manage your time, you can really be put in a position to where you can have the money to really provide for yourself, for your family, the money to put away in case of emergencies, the money to enjoy some of the things that you really want to enjoy, the money to get debt free, just the resources to give more, to serve more, and just do more of the things that you want to do if we're maximizing our time. Yes, I completely agree with everything that you have said. I think it's so important because I think 
also just just growing up, a lot of times you hear, you know, you've got to work hard and hard work. And once you put in a lot of hard work, then it will finally pay off, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that I learned from my husband is that hard work isn't what you need to be doing. It's smart work, Mm -hmm. working Mm -hmm. smart, working in a way where your money will maximize itself for as little to no effort sometimes in some areas as possible. So if that is that you are investing in real estate and then eventually, you know, you paid off the mortgage and the rent is just coming in and every month you have an income because the rent is coming in and you don't really need to put that much effort in. But if we keep focusing on working hard and spending all our time, we want to work nine to five and then come home and work, as they say, five to nine as well, then we're really killing ourselves and we become an employee also to whatever side hustle, whatever business that we are trying to start. So it's it's a good mm-hmm. thing to find balance and find different ways to diversify your portfolio, which I think is so very important. And the Bible even tells us, I can't remember the scripture off the top of my head. My head. I've said it before in the podcast, mm-hmm. but it says to invest in seven ways, even eight. Yeah. That you know, if, Ecclesiastes eleven two. That's what I was just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that if, if if there is a rainy day, there's always something. Mm-hmm. Yep. I stand by that. <laughs> and it's so important because when I even think about the Proverbs thirty one woman, she had a lot of things going on. Oh yeah. But there were a lot of things that were working for her as well. Yeah, she was an entrepreneur. Yeah. She, you know, a lot of people just they look at that. I, I love that you brought that up. She wasn't. She was an entrepreneur. She was an advocate for her husband. They people knew who he was because of her. Mm. You know, is she that? What does that tell you about the kind of woman that is? Yeah, pretty dynamic. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely dynamic. <laughs> so, so, why do you think so many of us struggle to attain financial freedom, especially as Christians? I feel like there's a well, several things. One, I would say, um, and this is just from my personal experience, like when I meet with my clients, I mean, I would say one, people are ashamed. I would say that people are, they get into a space and then they feel like they feel as if they should have been further along. So that guilt, mismanagement of money, I think sometimes gets people and and then they kind of go into hiding instead of doing something about it. Just that's one. Also, too, we don't talk about money at the dinner table. You know, when you have a family that they they talk about money, they teach about money, they talk about it at the dinner table, like the same way. How was your day at school? They talk about money things. A lot of times uh, we don't talk about money in the church. We don't talk about money at the dinner table. We, I do a workshop called the other 90%. And basically what it does is it teaches people what you need to be doing after you tithe. What do you, what do you need to be doing with that 90%? How you maximize that money? And I think we just don't talk about those basic types of things because it's just not how a lot of us were raised. We usually copy and mimic what we were taught in our families. And then we teach it to our children. And so I think here lately, there's been this move in the finance industry 
so many people talking about building wealth and building generational wealth and you're starting to hear those buzzwords and people are starting to become more aware. I mean, even in the area of life insurance, you know, so many people don't realize money that you don't ever touch is a very common thing for many families. I have a family that I serve. Every time a baby is born, they get a million dollar life insurance policy on the child. And it just never stops. They never sell their land and they just continue to build the generational wealth in that way. So we just don't talk about it. For whatever reason, we just don't talk about it at the church a lot. Uh, I know uh, my church, we do talk about it. We actually have a, a team that is focused on this, but many churches don't have that type of ministry. And I'm honestly, I'm not sure why. I, I completely agree. Um, I don't think we talk about money enough and talk about it in the right sort of ways. One of the things that I was, I, I, I am blessed with is that my husband grew up in a house where they talked about money and they talked about it regularly. Mm-hmm. So he, we both have two different upbringings when it comes to that. So he has different understandings that when we were dating and when we were engaged, when we were talking about certain things, certain things to him was just common sense. Mm-hmm. I had to explain to him, like, this is not common sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a, a topic that was really broached for me to understand. And I appreciate that, you know, he's able to sort of teach me and we can actively together, you know, whenever we do have children, be able to set that example for them, sorry, mm-hmm. for them when they come along. <laughs> never know, them, might be. It might, it might, might, be speaking, might, be, might be speaking something into existence. Said him, <laughs> <laughs> him, them, whoever. But we can speak it so that it becomes more normal in the conversation. Yeah. That when they start doing things, they start making smart money moves even before. Well, I will put it even before my husband did. At, at, at I think he bought his first house around twenty twenty one. So mm-hmm. I want them to be able to make smart money moves in their teen years. Yeah, that will set them up and set their children up and set their children's children up. Yeah. I think even before that, even before the teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can, you know, I, I would my my boys when they were little, they had these piggy banks that were, it was a bank, well, not a piggy bank, but it was a bank that looked like a building, and one was forgiving, and it had like a church, and then one was looked like a bank. It was like a three slot in one. One looked like a bank. It was for saving. And one looked like a store, like a mall. And it was for them to spend how they wanted. And they learned right away that all my money doesn't go into one place. Mm -hmm. And they were little, dividing their money up into thirds. (laughs) Yes. I love that. That is a great idea. And I think it's really important those of us who are listening, and I know a lot of my audience are millennials, for Mm -hmm. us to take active steps when it comes to being preparing ourselves and preparing the next generation so that, you know, down the line, these are common conversations that are happening in every household, in every Christian household, in every Christian church, so that we know what to do, like RSL said, with the other 90% and not focus, well, not not focus, but we focus enough on the 10%. I think we've all got it. We got a tie yeah, right. with the money <laughs> that is left. And I think that is so important. So Yarisel, mm-hmm. what are your top three tips for us to start improving our financial freedom? 
So I would definitely say if you have not started tithing, I would definitely say start tithing. That would be my number one. My number two, after you, uh, my number two, I would say take a class. Even if you believe that you, even if you're debt free and you're listening, take a class like Compass Financial something that will help you to make sure that you have the right heart posture as it pertains to money. Because there are so many things that you may not even realize about money and how you think about money. So that would be the second thing that I say, take a class like Compass. It's it's nationwide. It's all over. I know something that I can share with you that you can share with your listeners. Uh, We have a self-paced guide. They can do it that way if that's their thing. But locally, wherever you are, take a compass class. It'll really help you to get into a heart posture about money. Mm. And then the third thing that I would say um, that you need to do is pay yourself. So, you know, get a budget, but make sure in that budget, and and I will say this, do the budget that works for you. Mm-hmm. So like if you're an Excel person, like I have this amazing Excel budget spreadsheet that I give everybody and it's great. But if that's not your thing, that's not your style, you're not going to use it. Mm. So budget and your style, if that means you're going to use an app like, you know, YNAB, you need a budget or mint.com. That's a good free one, you know, get a budget so that you actually are looking at where the money is going. But you have to do that. But in the budget, you have to pay yourself. And what I mean by pay yourself is you got to put some money away and just get into the habit of doing that. And with most of your, the people who will be probably listening or are listening and you are a millennial, you are actually in such an amazing and dynamic place to take advantage of the power of compound interest Something that I didn't do in my 20s, my two oldest sons, I have a 19-year-old and a 27-year-old, and now I'm trying to make sure that they do what mommy did not do. Mm. And because I understand the power of dollar cost averaging, which is putting away the same amount of money every month, exactly what it is, and how when you get interest that grows on top of that interest, and then it goes back and gets returned to you, and then it's invested again. That is probably one of the most powerful things. That's why banks are rich, because of compound interest. That's why credit card companies are rich. It's because of compound interest. And you have the ability to do the same thing with your money as well. Wow. Thank you so much, Yarisel. Those are amazing tips and tips that you guys (laughs) definitely need to listen to. Yarisel, I have had such a great time talking to you on the topic of finance. It's one that I love to talk about because I love my audience to be more aware and more educated. So thank you so much for teaching us, sharing some gems. And before you go, you have to tell us how we can connect with you on social media and of course, how we can work with you. Awesome. Yep. So all of my socials, um, you can follow me. I'm on everything um, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn. I am Yaracel, the multipreneur. 
You can find me at I am the multipreneur. All of the links are in my bios there. I would love to connect with you. You can connect with me on any of the social sites. If you contact me and you would like, say, you know, the, the Excel but, uh, budget spreadsheet, you are more than welcome. I'll send it right to you. I am um, open to talk to anybody at any time. And that's just basically how you can reach me. Okay, perfect, Chases. You heard Yarisel and you know that I'll put everything she said, all her links in the show notes so that you can connect with her. Let her know that you heard her on the podcast. Yarisel, thank you so much for being so on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure to be here today. And you know something too, I have a, I have a, a journal. It's a 52-week scripture-based journal just to help you to wrap your mindset around how you're handling your money. And I will make sure that in the links that you provide to your listeners, that I'll give them a a code for 50% off if they would like to get a journal. Oh, that is perfect, guys. I will put that code in the link as well. Definitely connect with Yarisel. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe and also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray, Plan, Slave podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire at Shantae Sapphire. 